0: The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society.
1: You're listening to Confidential Brief live in Johannesburg on 101.9 FM. Today is the commemoration of the biggest terror attack in American history. Locally known as 9-11 A lot of Americans have taken to volunteering on this day And assisting their communities It's something that reverberated around the world And of course resulted in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan A legacy we're still having to live with today A little bit later in the show We're going to be chatting to Laurie James About the scourge and the increase in human trafficking And how it impacts Um, Different countries around the world And what's been done to fight this Absolutely despicable Barbaric crime Looking back at the weekend uh, We were all waiting in eager anticipation For Dr. Nandipa's Uh, Bail application what the findings would be and of course no surprise bail has not been granted Why is bail not been granted well the woman has shown that she's a flight risk and she has flip-flopped first She was abducted by the police and the tanzanian authority to be brought back to South Africa That's according to her version of events But now she changed her story To say that it was actually Tabu Besta that abducted her And took her to Tanzania That would have meant that the Tanzanian authorities Together with the South African authorities Would have been her saviors Not her captors This kind of flip-flopping is not doing well And it's definitely Definitely going to catch up to her When this matter is finally set down for trial That is of course if she doesn't take a, A plea arrangement before then very interesting news coming out this weekend that our government is considering raising VAT. We know that our government financially is in somewhat of a pickle and they say to continue with the grants that they are paying in terms of SASA to those who are unemployed, they would need to increase our VAT. What was also of concern is over the weekend, um, during the commemorations of the ANC Youth League, the current head of the Youth League stated that they want to increase unemployment grants to 1,500 Rand and for unemployed graduates to 4,500 Rand. Where we meant to get this money, I do not know, but it's something we need to focus on. I'd like to remind you that the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of mine or that of Chai FM.
0: You're listening to the confidential brief with Chad Thomas on Hi FM. If you're just
1: joining us now, it is September eleventh, twenty twenty three, just past the midday mark. And we're joined in the studio today by Laurie James. She is a digital crime specialist who specializes in human trafficking. A very good afternoon to you, Laurie.
2: Good afternoon Chad, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you today.
1: Laurie, it's it's quite frightening when one speaks about an expert in human trafficking. People don't realize just what a problem this has become and how the world has has seen an explosion of this, not just as a result of crime being on the increase, but also because of the way people are able to hide their tracks using the cyber world. So let's start off by, by understanding what we mean by human trafficking and what role investigators such as yourself play in combating the scourge.
2: Okay. So let's start off with a basic, very basic definition. So what human trafficking is, is the recruitment of any person for purposes of exploitation that's really what it is and one of the very common misconceptions is that you actually need to move the person. In other words, the word trafficking kind of leads you to a very serious misconception. A person today, given the cyber world, can actually be trafficked from within their own home. And we saw a huge increase in this in, in the cyber trafficking side uh, during covid so basically, what human trafficking is is the recruitment, abduction um, of any person for by any means, for the purpose of exploitation. <laughs>
1: And by exploitation, I think it's, it's so huge. People normally think sex trafficking. They think Albanian, um, crime syndicates, Russian crime syndicates. They don't even realize that in our own backyard, some of our farms have people that have been trafficked from, from across the border. It's a enslaved form of migrant labor. And there's so much others, like you mentioned during COVID from people's lounges. Give an example of, of, of what defines human trafficking in terms of the different instances that you've come across.
2: Okay, well, firstly, it's not only the actual sex trafficking. Yes, that is is one aspect. Um especially um there's a huge increase especially on the dark web in the child sex trafficking. That's mo- m- monstrous. Um we had um a couple of cases here that have recently been prosecuted. Ackerman was one of them, 720 counts of trafficking against him. He got one of the highest sentences ever handed down globally. In fact, I think it is the highest sentence. It's 19 life sentences. But what was very interesting there is that he got 20 years for having pornography on – 25 years, sorry – for having pornography on his cell phone and 25 years for having pornography on his laptop. So now the possession – of this pornographic material is 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 what will get you a sentence of twenty five years, which is a rather exciting development, and we're very very proud of of of, of this um, judgment. So that's one aspect: is your sex trafficking. The second aspect is, of course, labour trafficking. As you said, people being trafficked from the borders to work in sweatshops. Um, people being trafficked over the borders for purposes of of, of working on farms, uh, p- usually places that aren't particularly well policed. Um, those would be your sort of target where these where these migrants end up. We we recently had a problem where we had to uh, relocate. Uh, I think it was 17 migrants back to Malawi. They had been trafficked here, found in a Chinese sweatshop. Um, had nowhere to go. Some of them ran away, disappeared after they were they were found, which is often the case with trafficking victims. They're terrified, so they they run away. So we end up with no victim to to actually prosecute uh, with. Uh, but but we've learned to now prosecute around having no victim, which is quite interesting. And of course, the other crime on the rise is trafficking um, in organs. So there's two purposes for that. Um, either people are abducted specifically to be murdered and the organs trafficking, trafficked. Um, alternatively, um, the organs are sold by the victim who's inadvertently tricked into the sale of a kidney or, or, or something like that. And we see that a lot in areas like the Philippines or in fact, any area where you have poverty. So that's the problem. We, generally, with organ trafficking, we see and, and sex trafficking and all trafficking. We see a, the trafficked victim moving from the impoverished countries to the wealthy, with America being the primary uh, procurer of, 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 of trafficking victims.
1: I just want to pick up on one point there, and I think a lot of people didn't realize that. Um, the Ackerman case is an incredible... Um, Indication that the South African judicial system is in fact working together with law enforcement because it was a successful prosecution and you say one of the most successful that the world has seen and this played out right here in our Johannesburg High Court. Um, Take us a little bit into that world because it's not the normal trafficking. This also involved the sharing of images in the, in the cyber world.
2: Yes. So, um, in the cyber world, it's very, very interesting. Uh, the digital world is used in many aspects um, in, in the in the trafficking process. So you have a couple of of, of alternatives. Firstly, victims are recruited online. In other words, they, they are, the, the, the trafficker makes contact with them, sometimes using um, deep fake, sometimes using – that child will think they're speaking to a person of similar age. Uh, a very interesting example of that was the case of Kent Lock. I don't know if you're aware of the Kent Lock case. So okay, actually this is a really good ca- ca- case to illustrate uh, w- w- sort of the, one of the procedures. So Kent Lock was a Cape Town pastor. He was a youth pastor in a church in Cape Town. And his modus operandi was he targeted, he was also a very good photographer. Sorry, that's really important because he took images of surfers. So what he did is he would then target the young girls in his, in his community and he would ask them to please go on their Instagram accounts and request, um, that they vote for his photograph because he'd entered a competition. When they did that and they clicked the link he sent they ended up on a fake login page and then they would put their login details in which he was he he had actually he was actually collecting these details then he would use the young girls accounts to access the young boys um sending images and and, and so on to the boys and soliciting um uh, pornographic material from the boys so so photographs and it would start Quietly, And it would increase and increase and of course as soon as they sent images he would ask for more then it became video. So and he would also then the kids would approach him for help because now he's the youth past and they don't want to go to mommy and daddy. Um, and then what he would say to them is, it's okay. Don't don't worry about it. Just give the person what they want. It'll go away. And if you really need to, you can go upstairs here in the church and just use my computer to to uh, masturbate and 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 make your porn video. And then it's fine. Um, and you know I'm sure they'll go away. And when Mr. Locke was um, arrested. We found, and this is often the case, pedophiles do not work independently. They work in groups and they share images. So on each of these arrests, we find four to seven thousand uh, additional accounts where they're sharing images. And in, in, in some cases, up to 63,000 accounts link, linked to pornographic images of the arrest of one perpetrator.
1: Before we go to break, what happened to this predatory pastor?
2: Well, he was sentenced, um, and, 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 and in in Cape Town he's incarcerated. He's, he's due for parole fairly soon, but here comes the kicker. Our um, the prison services actually gives him access to a laptop and the Internet so that he can study, um, and that just gives you an example of the failure of the correction system in South Africa.
1: Sounds like tabo besta. We'll be back with Laurie James straight after this.
0: You're listening to the confidential brief with Chad Thomas on Chai FM.
1: We are approaching the Jewish high holidays, including the Jewish New Year. This will impact on Chai FM's broadcasting schedule. Please consult the Chai FM website at ChaiFM.com for broadcasting times and days. Chai FM wishes the community a shana Tova and Gamar Hatima Tova. Today I'm in conversation with Laurie James It's a disturbing conversation It's a conversation about human trafficking And how the cyber world Which has done so much good In bringing us all together Has also played a role In helping to spread Um, Terrible crimes such as human trafficking, the sharing of child pornography, and, of course, the sharing of people's particulars used by a host of international criminals for all kinds of crimes, including money laundering. It's a very fascinating conversation. I want to move now more into the cyber world. Tell us a little bit more about the dark web. What have we discovered about the dark web? Are people still using the dark web or are they now using other channels? And how does an investigator... Become a part of this community to be able To uncover these 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 Sometimes meticulous crimes
2: So People a lot of the time have A huge misconception about what The dark web is, so let me just explain It's not a separate web It's a separate level of the internet So we have what we call the Surface web, which is Google and anything Searchable, then we have a layer Underneath that called the deep web And that is where companies store their data um, so if you can hack uh, the deep web, you'll get the data. It's anything that requires a login. So your data is stored on the deep web on Facebook, where you, your login data, for example. The dark web is a separate level. It requires a different browser, and uh, the, the sites on the dark. The dark web are not .coms and .nets and you know, that the, the we understand on the surface web. They are, or the clear net as we call it, um, they are, um, .onion sites. So you require a very specific browser to actually access the, the, these .onion sites. The most common of those browsers is Tor. There are others. So you would need to download the Tor browser. The problem with the dark web is that you need a certain level of skill to move around in it. You also need a very high level of security. So we do not recommend accessing the dark web, for example, on a Windows machine. You need a more secure Kali Linux type machine and you need to scrub the drive every time that you're on it. Because the second that you enter into this area, you are monitored probably by... Thousands of hackers the second you land there, so they will pick up if you're not properly protected, they will pick up everything from you. So the dark web is not only a criminal area. this is also a huge misconception. The dark web was actually um, was actually put into place by law enforcement and was a way of law enforcement sharing um, information. But what happened is that criminal networks um, took advantage of the anonymity pro- provided by the dark web, and I'll explain to you, if you want me to, how the Tor browser provides some of that am- anonymity. But what uh, what what happens? Um, so the dark web it has good uses. If you're a journalist in a in a country that's war torn and you need to get information out, you can use the dark web when they when when you're, when that country. Um, restricts access on the surface web So it's used for good and bad So it's not a totally evil place Unfortunately criminal networks Have found a way to exploit it So dark web The dark uh, web net Dark net Has become an area where Criminals sell their services And um, on the dark web If you can dream it You can buy it um, Whether you want to um pay for a snuff film to have somebody murdered on Titan and that's usually pay per view and the audience participates you know these are the kinds of depths of, of of depravity, the audience will actually participate in murdering the person and say stab her here, do this do that, strangle her, bring her back, give her mouth to mouth and and they'll actually participate in the murder so that would be the snuff film, that would be the really dark end um, and then you know there's a lot of uh, pornography, a lot of Peter a lot of selling of victims, a lot of selling of organs, um, drugs, arms dealers, um, <coughs> information, and, and, and interestingly, one of the, the very big, um, uh, Sale points on the dark web is actually data, so if you want to know where your hack data ends up it's usually on the dark web where they sell packets uh, that you can normally buy credit cards in packets at a fraction of what that is available on that credit card so your credit cards your your details, your logins these are all um, uh, sold. On, on, on the dark web So it's, yes, it is used
1: it, it, It's really scary listening to this And <laughs> you're talking about people that can access it And that they'll be monitored by hackers And their information stolen My question is of course do we have law enforcement that's in there that's monitoring people who are trying to access this this bottom layer? You you used the, the dot onion and I'm almost using it as an analogy. It's like peeling away um pieces of this <laughs> of this of this um underworld. And when I mention that they're crimes in particular, it's because of their knowledge of the internet and of this this area um that, that we refer to as the public as 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 the dark web. How do investigators such as yourselves How are you able to cloak yourselves and get in there without giving away any trade secrets? Is it monitored? Is there something happening to prevent these guys from operating?
2: So, yes, and we do this um, fairly often. So when we find one of these sites, law enforcement will actually often take the site over, get the passwords from the perpetrator once he's arrested, and continue to run the site. Um, and in that way, collect as much data on the perpetrators as possible In fact, the FBI has actually run a dark web sex trafficking site for up to two years um, In order to collect data on all of these perpetrators
1: Now, that gives us some comfort Now, when you spoke about the two analogies in South Africa With the predatory pastor, as I'm going to now refer to him And of course, um, Ackerman here in Johannesburg Did that involve, at any stage, the dark web or people using um, aliases or or hard to um, come by email addresses like Proton to share this information? Were our authorities able to obtain this information? Do we have that skill set in South Africa?
2: We do have it. However, it is limited. So what we do a lot of the time in South Africa, um, we engage with the American Secret Service, the U.S. Homeland Security, who do lend support um, where where we can't. We also engage a lot with the private sector. I actually train the hawks, um, for example. So we provide free training for the hawks to try to give them that skill set, um, just to 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 enhance that skill set for them. Um, and 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 as a private sector, I think more people need to take a stand and get involved, um, you know, and actually support law enforcement because they are very willing to 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 uh, to take the support. In fact, I was invited to a seminar the other day in Morimole by the hawks, where they're looking to how we can form public, um, law enforcement partnerships and actually support them. Because we have incredible investigators with incredible, def- de- uh, you know, de- dedication, but just unfortunately no budget and, and, and no, th- there's just no money to support the upskilling of these people despite how badly they actually want to be upskilled. So that's a problem. Um, to going, getting back to your question, the, uh, the dark net, I'm not aware that Kentlock was on the dark web. Um, I'm not aware that Ackerman was either. Um, however, you know, we don't need to be. Unfortunately, what we see now is that it's ac- accounts like Facebook that are used for recruitment, Instagram's used for recruitment, Telegram's used for recruitment, WhatsApp's used for recruitment, um, and the actual trafficking. So we saw also we had a very 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 strong conviction here in South Africa called the Celiso matter, which was a young girl trafficked by her family um, to two of her other family members, both female, in South Africa, um, where she was th- on the promise of educating her. She then uh, was sent by her aunt in Lesotho to to the to this family who then sent her to school in the morning, but in order to pay for schooling and everything, they trafficked her online and sexually exploited her. Uh, online uh, at home in the afternoons And well into the night after which They'd send her back to school So before the Ackerman uh, case uh, The Salisa matter was the global Highest conviction and sentencing um, In the world up until that point So the South Africa has a double whammy So we can be pretty proud of ourselves well, well, well
1: I am Because most of the time when we chat about Capacity and resource issues We hear that the state is struggling But in these very important cases that involve um, The trafficking of minors the sharing of child pornography and alike. We've seen that there are convictions taking place and it seems like there is a spirited effort on the part of law enforcement to do something about it. But let's talk about the bigger problem in, in, in South Africa and the world. And that's this, this, this massive explosion of Crime involving money, the financial crimes that are taking place, the, the sheer volume of scams that are doing the rounds, be it in the world of crypto, the world of forex trading, um, even romance scams. Why do you think we're seeing such a massive explosion and not just South Africa, but the rest of the world seems to have been caught by surprise?
2: Well, if you look at the economic state of the world post-COVID and during COVID, you had an increase in desperation. As soon as you have an increase in desperate people, they'll start to look for other ways of making money. Um, you know, And then you just get the psychopathic criminal that, that enjoys exploiting people. And you get the sadist that enjoys inflicting pain on people. So it would totally depend on the, the motivation of that perpetrator. But basically, it's financially motivated, as you say. And COVID, unfortunately, did its damage. Now, to just give you an idea of the financial implications of one trafficking victim, if you have one trafficking victim and you sell that victim uh, 10 times a day, um, you are earning approximately $4,500. Canadian dollars these are these are Canadian stats um a day by selling that victim by the time you've got 10, ten trafficking victims that you're exploiting you're moving up to 3 million dollars a year for the, for the sale of those trafficking victims. What do you have to provide them with? Less than nothing. You need to make sure they're fed, not overfed, because most people don't find sex, you know, overly fat people sexy. So they don't even feed them much. They keep them clean, um, often the, you know, you have to pay your team because what we see in the trafficking is that the damage is sometimes so bad, especially on juveniles, that they will rape the person, um, the, the juvenile. And then, um, what they'll actually do is have a doctor on standby to stem the bleeding and stop the, 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 the you know, the, the, put, put out the fire before they, and treat them on scene and get them back to work as soon as possible. So, you know, you've got a, you've got, and then you've got to pay off law enforcement, of course, which is often involved, um, and making their profit as well. So it's a very profitable industry. Um, and as I said, it's, it's not very difficult to run. You need a doctor, you need a, a lawyer, obviously, if you're caught. Um, you need a victim, you need a perpetrator, and unfortunately, you need predators, and, and the world is full of predators, both financially and, and yes. At the moment, there's a big scam going on in TikTok. Please be careful. Um, in South Africa at the moment. So there's some people advertising um repossessed vehicles on TikTok and, and um Facebook. Um, these these vehicles don't exist. Um, they they get you to make the first payment. Then they charge you VAT. Then they say the the the, the vehicle was uh, uh, you advertised at the incorrect price. You pay another ten thousand rand. And by the time you realise what's happened to you, um, you t- sixty thousand in the hole with no vehicle and no way of tracking them. Um, our hackers fortunately can track them. So we assist law enforcement uh, from that end as well.
1: So these kind of advanced fee scams have done the rounds for years, just under different guises. They're four nines. Um, so once you're hooked, you carry on paying. Um, it's insurance, it's security, it's, it's all these different things. Are we seeing a, a, a shift in the, in the outlook we have from local law enforcement to make use of experts in helping to solve complex financial crimes locally?
2: You have to make use, especially when it's complex, because law enforcement simply does not have the capacity. I mean, you can look at it from a financial point of view, you can look at it from a homicide point of view. I mean, an average detective in South Africa today, homicide, murder and robbery detective, has 300 dockets on his, on his desk. How on earth is any person supposed to co- uh, work with 300 dockets? You may have five minutes per case per month, if you're lucky, to dedicate. So it's not that our law enforcement isn't willing. it's that the volume of our crime is so high. And unfortunately, um, people follow the examples of their role models. And they've made the ANC a role model. And unfortunately for us, the ANC are the master criminals. So everybody's seeing, well, I can do what I like. I don't get prosecuted. Somebody's going to protect me. So let me follow what my role models are doing because they're all getting wealthy. Why must I lie at the bottom and be poor?
1: So what you're saying is low prosecution rates are encouraging more people to take chances because there's no consequences, no accountability.
2: No, I'm saying there's no political will to prosecute because if we did have a political will to prosecute, unfortunately, three-quarters of our, pros- of our politicians would be in prison.
1: Do we have enough investigators to investigate the amount of crime, enough prosecutors to prosecute those crimes, and enough presiding officers to hear those matters?
2: No, we don't because, again, what did, what, what, what did this government do? They eroded the justice system. So they put the most incompetent people that they could find – into these, into justice, into the police, into the investigative units and into the national prosecuting authority, where you basically guaranteed that somebody somewhere is going to make a mistake. So your chance of a successful prosecution at the moment in South Africa is under
1: 1%. So what we're saying is those successful prosecutions when it came to the trafficking was because there were specialized units involved together with private sector support?
2: Absolutely. It's private sector support and it's dedicated police officers that will take a case by the neck and actually really work it um, and work unbelievable hours, not sleep, um, bring in any resource that can help them. And they do. And I take my hat off, off to these law enforcement officers. They're incredibly dedicated, but they're just hamstrung.
1: When we come back, we're going to be talking about upcoming courses for law enforcement in South Africa, both in the public and private sector, and what can be done to combat this ever-increasing
0: threat. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High fm
1: We're chatting today to Laurie James. We've been through the absolute ringer, chatting about child pornography, chatting about human slavery, chatting about crypto crimes, and now I want to hear about what can be done to overcome the situation. What kind of training is taking place? Is this training between the public and private sector? Are we going to see more people within the public sector upskilled? And do they have the support of the private sector?
2: Well, yes, they do have the support of the tri- private sector. Um, my company does a lot to try and help wherever we can um we have a lot of partnerships we have international partnerships we bring in uh people to upskill um we actually we're having an event we're actually having three events um from the 24th of october to the 26th of october is the first one that is a cyber security conference where we're bringing in a guy called Kak Pagradon He's uh, one of the top cyber experts in the world. Um, he's a UCL Fulbright professor. He's the head of cybercrime in, um, in, in in Warsaw. He's uh, he tests cyber warfare strategies. Um, he's he's got a CV um, that is unbelievable. I've brought him in before. I brought him into Botswana when I was living in Botswana. Um, he had everybody gobsmacked. He's coming in to do three talks. Um, we'll start with state security, looking at artificial intelligence as well, and then a third talk on future crimes and what we can expect. So that is a, for anybody that's interested in cyber, that's a must, a, mu- a must attend. Um, also speaking at that conference, we're bringing in, uh, Elisa Gibiorczyk. Now, Lisa is the top trainer to Interpol, the CIA, um, the Can- Canadian Mounted Police. She will be speaking at the conference as well. But then after that, we're presenting at First National Bank, um, pre- premises in, in Menland. We'll be presenting a one week intensive law enforcement, uh, for OSINT. Uh, so that is open source intelligence. How to use Open source intelligence to hunt criminals Basically with a focus on Human traffickers because that is her Specialization and then The following week from the 7th to the 9th Of November same premises Also in Pretoria and Menland at First National Bank we'll be presenting an osint for commercial training so this will teach all your commercial investigators your due diligence people your your uh, it's human intelligence focused as well so if you if you're working in human resources and you want to vet somebody how to use osint for those purposes because one of the skills that is n- absolutely critical in the world today is the use of open source intelligence um, and how to use it to protect your organization, monitor your digital reputation and actually hunt the perpetrators as well as profile. You know, I'm, I'm not just. Um, a criminologist and a digital specialist I'm, I'm a specialist criminal profiler So we work with a, I work pri- primarily with the, with the Psychology of crime and then I Employ the clever people like the hackers To deal with the digital side So Alyssa and I will be teaming up It's a first, it's a global first Where we'll be presenting the Offender profiling side and the OSINT side together so you'll have Both the skills in one room um, how does the psych work with the OSINT, and how can you effectively hunt either traffickers, criminals, or financial criminals, or you simply use it to protect your business?
1: So let's talk about this hunt. It's, it's, it's got my blood pressure up. It's got me excited. Um, in the old days, our hunt ended in a door kicking and a takedown. Um You're talking about a virtual hunt that also results eventually in the physical world where the guy gets taken down off his computer into custody.
2: Absolutely, yes.
1: And yes. are you finding it easier to hunt? Or are they becoming sloppy? Or with all these new programs out there, are they becoming harder to find?
2: Well, the thing with hackers is, you know, people think hacker and they think one class. Well, they're not one class. They, they, we have Black hats, we are, which are the bad guys with, with malicious intent, um, but black hats often become white hats, and then they work for law enforcement and uh, to monitor bank accounts and to do that sort of work. Then you've got red hats, and red hats are another category. I'd rather be attacked by a red hat or a black hat because at least they know what they're doing. Then we have the green hats, which are the the youngsters that are just starting out. Now the green hats are the most dangerous because they have no clue what they're doing. But they're sort of learning to code as well a little bit. So we have this little, so they're kind of like interested in the scripts which they download from the dark web. But then what they also do is they're learning to code. So they're really dangerous. And then you get the absolute idiots, which are the script kiddies, which go and download all these scripts off the internet and then just run them because you no longer need to physically hack unless you, do they, do
1: they they get a hat?
2: Oh yeah. No, they don't even, we don't even give them a hat. We call them the script kiddies because they're not interested in coding, but they're very, very dangerous. And now, I mean, I, I know probably the audience all by now know of a program called chat GPT. So ChatGPT has a, a little sister program that's popped up. It's called WormGPT. So there you can actually pay your 60 euros, I think it is. You can pop into WormGPT and ask it to write any malicious code you want it to write, and it will happily do it. So, you know, um, yeah, it's, 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 as you say, um, it's, it's, it's much easier to catch certain, certain classes of hackers than other classes. But, yes, the takedowns are increasing, and, and, and we are doing a better job. But you cannot even hope to succeed without some sort of knowledge of open source intelligence, how it works, and, and, and how to actually use it effectively to protect your business.
1: Now, I know with your upcoming courses and conferences, you're obviously going to have to vet your delegates for obvious reasons. Um, Are these conferences closed? Is it only law enforcement or can organizations send employees that they are using in this particular um, area of expertise?
2: It's not closed. I know I said law enforcement, but we don't close it off at specifically police. We're talking about any investigator, any risk analyst, any person that's interested in the investigation side. Because, again, remember that if you understand, and it is human trafficking focused, but it's not specific to human trafficking. All of the methodologies that we're going to teach, you can apply in any open source intelligence capability. So it's not only for human trafficking. So the law enforcement, we're trying to curtail to people that are investigators, law enforcement based, um, you know, risk people, those types of people. But the, the commercial training is open to any of anybody that wants to come. I would say all your financial investigators should be there. Your auditors should be there. Your certified fraud examiners should be there um your risk analysts for your banks should be there definitely <laughs> and anybody working with finance in any way um even if you mergers and acquisitions you should be doing advanced due diligence on 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 these um on these uh types of financial transactions so anybody who wants to learn how to use the inf- internet to on open source sources uh to basically for vetting purposes, for commercial purposes and for hunting perpetrators should be there.
1: When we come back from break, we're going to find out how you can become a part of this training. Um, if you know people that should be going on this course or to encourage organizations that are involved in law enforcement, both in the public and private sector, to send people for this very important
0: training. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High fm we're in the
1: last few minutes of the show with Laurie James. It's been an interesting show. She's taken us into some really dark places. Um, I'm sure she's been in a lot worse. and We just touched the peripheries today. But what's very important is that people are being upskilled, they are being trained, and there is hope. And we've seen that where three major convictions have taken place in South Africa, two of which were game changers internationally. And uh, if you missed that part of the conversation, you can you can download the podcast at highfm.com because it's very interesting how South Africa has made its mark internationally with its zero tolerance towards these kind of crimes. How do people get in touch with you, Laurie? How do they um, enroll with these various courses that are on offer?
2: Okay, well, the first and easiest uh, way to get in touch with us, I'm going to give you a, a, a cell phone number. Um, it's 76 uh, uh, 076- Nine one zero four nine zero five. That is also available on WhatsApp. Um they can also get hold of us on our LinkedIn profile, um which is Cybereti Consulting Services. Let me spell Cybereti because that can get confusing. It's C Y B A R E T I. Um they can also go onto our website, Cybereti.com, um, and then follow the click-throughs to register. There is a payment platform there. I know a lot of cyber people don't like to put their credit card details on the web. So if you get hold of us on the WhatsApp, we'll send you an invoice and you can do an EFT. That way we we protect those people that don't want to put credit card details on the web. So there are many, many options, and those are the easiest few. You can also email events at cyberretty.com.
1: We will upload that to our socials. But before we close off, if you had to give advice to – parents of of young kids who are about to venture out into the digital world they're getting their first cell phone or they're going onto the ipad for the first time what kind of advice do you want to give those parents
2: monitor your children monitor their phones giving a child a phone today is tantamount to giving a, a child a nine more. in fact it's probably more dangerous um, because an animal, you would, as a parent, feel obligated to make sure what they're doing. Unfortunately, today, you need to monitor your children. You need to check those phone call phones. There needs to be a policy in the home. Never is a child to take a phone to bed. What these kids get up to at night under the covers with their cell phones and the online perpetrators will absolutely horrify you. Um and the most important thing is, is is play open cards. Take that phone. Check that phone. Check for the hidden apps, things like calculator. Have a look at what the dangerous apps are. One of the most dangerous is one called Whisper, um, where children are encouraged to tell their deepest, darkest secrets, and those are used against them. Um, WhatsApp. Again, WhatsApp and Facebook and Instagram work the best with law enforcement. So those are probably the safest. It's easy for law enforcement to get Section 205 warrants and, and, and to work with those companies. So those are probably the safest, but they're also the most targeted. Never let your children on Telegram. It's it's the new dark web, so be very careful of Telegram. Um, and as I said, just monitor what apps they're using. Make sure you know as the parent what are the security settings, the maximum security settings you can put on any social media they use. And if you don't, please get hold of us. We have a risk sheet and a step-for-step how to put security on WhatsApp, how to put security on Facebook, how to put security on Instagram. We have sheets for all the social media that the kids use. So please just – you can use the same phone, call, phone number. Just get hold of us. We'll send you the sheets.
1: One last time. The website is?
2: Www, oh no, it's uh, dot, dot com. C-Y-B-A-R-E-T-I.
1: Laurie James, thank you so much for this very insightful conversation.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: If you are parents and uh, you need to maybe jolt those kids into listening, download the podcast. It will be uploaded after the show at www.chayfm.com. And as always, be safe out there until we meet again next week. This is Chad Thomas.